lift my burden. great to see you. It's great to be here. Great to be lifting up the name of the Lord this morning. Amen. Let's, uh, <laughs> yes, Pastor John. Let's, <laughs> as Mrs. Pastor John says, who has more fun than people? She says that. That's why I said Mrs. Pastor John. Yeah. Try to keep up. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Uh, I kid you because I love you. You know that. You know that. Let's uh, keep going on that trajectory. Blessed be your name. Darkness closes in the still I will 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken, form thee for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded, what can shake thy sure repose? With salvation's walls surrounded, thou mayst smile at all thy foes. Who can think thing what is springing from eternal love? Well, supply thy sons and daughters. All fear of wandering through who can faint such a river ever flows the thirst to assuage grace which like the Lord the giver never fails from age to age your sense of Zion City, I through grace of member am. Let the world be right obey. I will glory in thy name. Fame is the world's best pleasure, all its boasts and shows. Solid joys and lasting treasures, none but Zion's children know. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Salvation, he 
Take me as you find me All my fears and failures Fill my life again Give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender Savior, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior. Savior. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light in, let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the Shine your light in, let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light, let's hear it.
said it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sun will fall out crazy, still fall shy. It will sing again a hundred million God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created, the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. As you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. We lost your life so I could find it. Mom, if you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart. Every part designed in the work of all love. If you gladly chose to render, so will I. I can see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious one, the child you died to save. God. A God so big, so powerful, so mighty, so enormous, so beyond our comprehension. And He knows you, and He loves you, and He wants to be known by you. Praise the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Kingdom kids. I didn't say you're dismissed yet, <laughs> but go ahead. Ages three to third grade, head right out that way. Man, it's like they own the place. My good friend Joe here is going to lead us in prayer as the ushers come on down. Let's pray. God, we should all just be on our faces before you in worship. You, you're, you're so vast, you're so great, you're so mighty. And give us a little glimpse of that, God. Give us a little glimpse of your grace for us. Because we're nothing, but you gave everything for us. 
Teach us to worship God. Show us what that's about with our song, with our prayer, with our seeking you, with our learning, with with everything we do in our life, God. Help that be worship to you. God, I pray now that we worship you with our giving. What little we have, God, that you don't even need, but it's used to further your kingdom. And I pray that that's what's done here and in your church as a whole. God, we come humbly before you and and give our meager little what we have. And uh, we pray, God, you bless it and you use it for your glory that your kingdom be furthered. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello and hello again, everyone. Just a few quick announcements as the ushers come around. Uh, welcome to anyone who's a guest with us. We're so thrilled you're here. If you would uh, do us a favor and fill out the little card in the pouch in front of you, drop it uh, with one of these folks or in the wooden box on your way out on the right. A couple quick announcements. A reminder, there is a meeting for Children's Church and Awana volunteers after today's service in the lunchroom downstairs. Also, our food pantry is looking for donations. Please see your bulletin for more info on that. The Daily Bible, if you are still reading it, you're awesome. And uh, you should be up to page 1182. If you're not up to page 1182, keep going. Just power through. Or if you're reading an ebook, you should be on September 13th. Please see your bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. Pastor John, come on up. I tried to keep up. <laughs> I heard last week people couldn't see my visual. So I'm putting it up here, if I may. You can't see that? All right. So, all right, all right, all right. I've had enough already. All right, you guys are going to have to behave here, all right? How's that? Solve that one. This morning, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, Bad things and good things, right? So, like, we got people that are that are just encouraging sometimes to watch worship. You ever know what I mean by that? So, we got this family that sits over in this area, and uh, they're leaving. They're going south, which, of course, is from Satan. But uh, <laughs> other people have done that too, and I keep trying to tell them. But anyway, we're going to miss you guys. You gotta, you have to disciple some other people to get rowdy up here. So, disciple. Everybody know who I mean? The Nybergs, they're, they're heading south. So, uh, we're going to miss them, right? So, make sure you greet them. I think Mrs. has one more week, right? Am I upsetting you? Good for me. I always know if you make... Anyway. So, uh, the other thing is somebody came back. Where is she? She just caught me a minute ago. Oh, there's the, uh, the Magrez. The World Race Girl. Stand up right there. Welcome back. That's all. Sit down. And uh, you missed it, Dad. Sorry, it's all over. And uh, actually, we're having communion this morning, so um, we're going to share. 
So she's got something to share. We're going to plug her in there and uh, speak life to one another. Amen? Amen. That's, that's why we're here. So some mornings um, when I preach, it's, it's a very interesting environment. Uh, I don't know. I, I preach a sermon and I come away and I go, that stank. And the, you know, I might have a sermon morning and I go, wow, that, that was pretty good. And it's like, and then, then one time I feel like that really stank. And then people come up and go, I was, I'm like, okay, go figure. So it's on me. My point being, I want to review a little bit from last week because I'm not sure I was clear. Is that all right? But you're also quiet. All right. So, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. If you have a Bible, if you would turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're looking at a new text. We have been uh, going through the subject of grace for a long time. And one of the dimensions of grace is that when God enfolds you into his family, he gives you some gifting. He gives you some ability to help contribute to the advance of grace in the world. And uh, that's what we've been talking about. And so we're going to finish this up this month, the subject of grace and the gifts. And that's why I talked about the toolbox. And toolbox basics are today. And that's why I've got a toolbox up there. Isn't that brilliant? Makes perfect sense. And uh, we're going to look in that toolbox in just a minute. But the first thing I want to do is impose on you, if you're feeling okay, your legs or back aren't bothering you, and you can, if you would stand with me as we read together Ephesians, the the fourth chapter, starting in the fourth verse. And if you want to follow it in the exact same version, the NASB is the black version in in the chair in front of you. You can follow along page 1171. And here is a broad statement that comes to bear on spiritual gifts, but it starts with a bigger picture. Chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things Let me pause there for just a moment because I'm not going to preach on that section. But it might be confusing to some of you. Who is it talking about? Jesus the Christ. What does it mean he descended? It's not talking about his payment for our sin. It's when he came down from glory and became a man. That was an incredible descending, an incredible humiliation for the almighty God to become human. And then, because he came down, he paid for our sins, and then he gloriously was raised from the dead, which we sang about this morning. I think some of us got a little excited about that, that he conquered death. He ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high, and when he did, he took captive a bunch of rebels. I'm one of them. And he gave gifts to men. It's a picture of the 
Roman conquerors who would conquer and then take people in their train and they would have them as possessions and gifts, like as, as servants to give to other soldiers and members of the families in the, in the land of Rome, you know. And, and that picture is captured by God here to say, Jesus won the battle, he has ascended on high, he's taken us as his happy captives, and he's given us gifts that we don't deserve. We get some of the benefits of his conquest. That's the picture. And then it ends with this. As he gave, and he gave, verse 11, some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And all of God's people said, Amen. that's a long one, but it is the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh, don't sit yet. I feel like praying. I saw people starting to sit, and they go, there he goes again. Let's pray. Lord, we've worshipped you this morning. Um... You desire true worshipers to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, we want to do that. We've done that today. I think many of us have entered in from the heart, rejoicing in what you've done, celebrating the truth that we have been uh, singing about even this morning. If the stars were made to praise you, if everything in creation was made to praise you, then we will too. Help us. Help us not to just say words and then do what we want. Help us to have understanding this morning. Help your limited servant here to break open your holy word, which needs the ministry of your spirit to illumine to our hearts and minds and make application so that it's not just another ho-hum, I went to church today, but rather Jesus spoke to me. Would you do that, please? We'll ask for your favor, your grace, your mercy, which we've been talking about, but we will never exhaust the subject. Help us, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Please be seated and thank you for your patience. I was thinking about the fact if someone were to visit with us today, and, and some of you are visitors, we're glad you're here. Please fill out a little card. We'd love to dialogue with you and make sure you understand the reason why God has placed places like this on the planet. There's reasons that these places called churches, whether they have buildings or not, nice buildings, not so nice buildings, is secondary. There's reason he has left these places here. Some churches today, to be blunt, have completely missed their reason, their reason for being, which is kind of sad. 
But the reason we're here is we're representing Jesus and his gospel, and we want as many people as possible to enter into it. So one of the things we're happy to share with you is we, we use this little tract occasionally when people are searching out, what is this Jesus thing all about, and how come you guys are different? Anyway, <laughs> we should be a little different in some ways, right? The world is so confused. I've been looking at it, and, and uh, it, get, it gets weighty to me sometime. I'm going to use an illustration in a minute that I've shared before, but I want to give it another bent. But I picked up, um, what on earth are, am I here for? Isn't that a great question? Because everybody's asking it. Everybody's asking it, really, whether they're conscious of asking it or not. What am I really here for? And it comes from Rick Warren. Uh, that great pastor, the purpose-driven life. And by the way, can I just say something for those of you who have a lot of church background and uh, there are certain pastors that aren't good enough? I- I'm just going to say, there are, that's true. There are certain pastors that just aren't good enough, right? Um, he's not one of them. And people say, oh, well, he wrote that book, Purpose Driven Life, and he made millions of dollars and all of that, and he's just in it for the money and blah, blah, blah. And he built a big church. And, of course, if you build a big church, you're unspiritual. Everybody get what I'm saying? Yeah, just repent. (laughs) What sold me on Rick Warren, beside the fact he's just in your face and straight up, is every cent that he makes on that book, which sells millions and millions of copies, goes to missions. He doesn't take any of it. Isn't that cool? He lives on the salary the church gives him. Granted, it's a big church. He makes more than I do. And, uh, but he lives on that to the glory of God. He's serious about the kingdom, and he's been part of initiatives to work against the AIDS epidemic and all kinds of things. God bless him. Amen? May we all do so badly. It all starts with God, he said. Here's the opening line of why am I here. It's not about you. <laughs> oh, shucks. Okay, we can all go home now. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. You want to know why we screw it up? Because we think those are the most important things, right? And I see the church running after this stuff as number one. That's the problem. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with, guess who? God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And all of God's people said, yes, Pastor John. So, we're talking a little bit about gifts. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to come back to what I mentioned last night. We kind of flew through last week. And I wanted to bring it home, if you will. But we all need um, certain tools in our life. We all do. So, I shared this a while back. I, I went, this, this was a couple of years in. We uh, got into our rental, which, as you know, we're, we're going to have to leave. But we, we went and got a... Uh, What do you call those things where you cook on your back porch? Uh, A barbecue grill. I had a short short night, you know. This is Harmony, right? Okay, it's Sunday. All right, just checking. 
So I went to the barber. I went to get a barbecue grill. They were on sale over at I won't mention the hardware store. I probably did last time, so I'm in trouble anyway. Oh yes, here we go. So, so we had um, my wife's Nissan um, Altima, and. There was no way to get this thing in the Altima, so I needed to take it apart. It was already set up. So I asked the young man that was helping me, um, can you get me, I mean, this is a hardware store. Can you get me a tool like, you know, a screwdriver? Because I needed to unscrew some parts, take it apart, then it would fit in, a, in the trunk. So he goes looking. It took a long, long time, long time. Finally comes back, and he brings me that. I didn't specify size. Thank you, ma'am. You're so right. No, I said like a real screwdriver is what I'm talking about, you know. Now, um, there, is a, there is a social commentary that is a sidebar here because I don't know if I can even say it. Because this poor kid had no idea how to do anything. And I heard him over, this is a sidebar, this is not my point. And I heard him talking with his friend as they're waiting, looking for another guy who went looking for a tool, had no luck. The end of the story, by the way, as far as the cooker, those of you who are wondering, how did I ever get that barbecue home? I said, can you just put this right here and don't let anybody else take it? I drove home. I got my power tools, came back, bam, 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 threw it in the trunk. Thank you very much. And I left. We used it last night, as a matter of fact. So, yay, yay for me. I know how to use tools, which every guy and a lot of women should know how to do. Right? So, no, I know he's meddling, sexist, whatever, whatever. The point is, I, my heart was broken because I was listening to this young man while they're waiting, unable to help somebody deal with a tool, hardware situation in a hardware store. Then when his friend said, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'll probably go home and get wasted. That's all he has to look forward to. That's his purpose in life. Just get through another horrible day that I don't know why I'm here or what I'm doing. or Maybe I can just medicate myself through till tomorrow. Is that tragic or not? And it's in the church too, friends. There's a reason we're here. There are giftings. There are tools that God has given us that help define that. There is, we're not here by accident. We're not here by accident. So needless to say, this wasn't much use. And every toolbox should have some basic tools, right? Don't you agree? I was thinking about this. If you had nothing else in your house, you know, I'm living in a, in a rental, and once in a while you have to fix things. I do. I'm a good, I, you want me to rent your property because I, I leave it better than I found. I just, little hint there, anybody? Got, anyway, so, <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, so. What are some of the good tools you really need? Let's see. I've got, here's a, um, one of these is useful. I'm going to put this down because it wants to fall over. This was a terribly designed box. Tape measure. Pretty important, right? Tape measure is good. Um, every house should have, every toolbox should have a couple of screwdrivers, real screwdrivers, right? 
a big common. Women said that. I heard that. Very nice. Pliers. Very useful. Yeah? Very useful. You, you hung that picture and you can't get the nail out of the wall. Right? You hung. Vice grips, if you're really advanced. Vice grips. Very nice tool. Everybody liking this so far? You can't have my tools. Oh, by the way, speaking of um, pliers, needle nose, if you're real. Oh, yes. Very good tool right there. Oh, I've got a couple here that are fun. Very important. Ready? One, razor knife. Very useful. Everybody's having a great time. They're saying, why did I come here today? I thought this was church. I got two things here. Oh, a chisel sometimes can be useful. Did I show you the hammer already? Oh, see, that's what I blew. Chisels. Oh, no, I just gave away my best. You didn't see it, did you? Some of you did. Some of you did. Hammer, no good. Chisel, no good without a hammer. You need a chisel and a hammer, right? Some of you some of you'll know what this one is. Anybody know what that is? Cat's claw. You can get anything out of anything with that. That is awesome. But the most important tool in any toolbox, the most necessary one ever is duct tape. Because if you can't fix it with duct tape, it ain't worth fixing. Now, the reason I have that in there is because the end of our passage is talking about duct tape. Literally. There's, it is not literal duct tape, but it is talking about the duct tape of the spirit that makes the gifts work together. Okay, so let's, if you're a, if you're a note taker, your bulletin, you have some slots to fill in. Let me give you the first three right now so I don't forget them. One. Note the context. I'm clarifying last week. Note the context. Number two, avoid confusion. You should avoid confusion anyway, because confusion is confusing. (laughs) Context, confusion, and the last one is resist cheapening. Cheapening or deprecating or looking down on or making some devaluing. Don't cheapen your gift or anyone else's. That's where I want to go. So let's look at these very quickly, if we may. One is, last week we looked at the context. I want to show you the context. This was what we were looking at. This is Romans 12 out of the New Jerusalem Bible, and I picked this version because I like the language. Don't model your behavior on the contemporary world, but let the renewing of your minds transform you. Anybody recognize that? little different language. We read that. I know that verse. Maybe I even have it memorized. Here's the question. When was the last time you let that work itself out in your brain? Ooh, am I thinking weird? Am I thinking wrong from God's perspective? Let the renewing of my mind transform me so that I may discern for myself what the will of God is. You've heard me say this before. In fact, we were talking in a baptism class this morning because we have a baptism coming up that it's possible for we as believers to go to bed at night with a clear conscience. 
I heard someone say, that's great. Does that mean like, that's great? <laughs> nice for you. No, literally, I can have a clear conscience, right? My, I can know that I'm in the will of God, that I've done what I'm supposed to do for the day. You understand? So, you can know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and mature. That's our goal, is to continue to grow, to have our mind transformed. What's the context of this passage? Spiritual gifts. Go down three, three verses, and it's all about the gifts. Hello? There's a connection, namely, that my gifting, the way God has wired me, is part of the will of God for my life. That's how I can know. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The will of God. Where you really want to be is tied to your gifting. I'm going to cheat again. Let me go back to Mr. Warren here, if I may. Talking about the songs that we were singing, the stars reveal your glory, you know, they worship you, they follow you, whatever it was. All of creation does. You know the language of the Psalms where it says the mountains will clap their hands, the trees of the field will clap their hands, the mountains will rejoice, all of this language. Uh, the birds of the field, all the animals give glory to God. They do what they were created to do, that's why. They do what they were created to do. My wife and I are bird watchers. We've missed it for the five years we've been in this rental without a backyard with, you know, a bird feeder and all of that and bird houses and all. And we watch the birds, their routine every year, coming back, making nests, making babies, doing all of that stuff that is designed the way God intended it, that glorifies him. They're doing what glorifies him. We get a little bit of that when we hear them singing those beautiful songs that wake us up at 4.30 in the morning. And we go, oh, beautiful song, shut up! But, uh, but they're glorifying God. When we're doing what we were made to do, we glorify God. Listen, Jesus told God in heaven, I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. He honored God by fulfilling his purpose on earth. We honor God the same way. When anything in creation fulfills its purpose, it brings glory to God. Birds bring glory to God by flying, chirping, nesting, doing other bird-like activities that God intended. I forgot he said that much about birds. I know you're thinking, yeah, sermon was for... Anyway. Even the lowly ant brings glory to God when it fulfills its purpose. God made ants to be ants. He made you to be you. St. Irenaeus, and we've quoted this before, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. When we're living what we were made to do. And he goes on with the details, like one of the things you were made to do is to know God and love him, etc., etc., etc. We'll come back to that in a minute. So note the context. The context is your gift lends insight to knowing. If I discover I am stewarding the life that God has given me when I discover where I'm wired and how I'm wired and what I'm supposed to do. Second one, avoid confusion. Let me show you the verse about this. This is just to reinforce what we said last week. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, diakony, serve, you know, diakonia, where you get deacon from, table waiter. 
Let him do so by the strength which God supplies. As everyone has received what kind of gift? What does it say? A special gift. Everyone has received something from the Spirit to invest you with purpose that he has in mind for you. So avoid all confusion. You don't have to know everything about it to serve. You don't have to be able to explain the distinction between my natural talent and my gift. I just know that putting this together, I sense the Holy Spirit uses it and it blesses people, right? Like a talent of music that an exhortation gift speaks through. Let it rip. You don't have to figure all that out. You don't have to be able to list all the fruit of the Spirit versus the gifts of the Spirit. There's a whole bunch of them. By the way, there's only one fruit. It's being Christ-like, really, that the language is singular, right? The fruit of the Spirit is singular. Okay, it's Christ-likeness. I don't have to understand all of that. And I don't have to wait to know what my gift is to start obeying and serving. Hello? In the process, I will learn and discover. So don't worry. Just move forward. By the way, little sidebar on that. Um, I have said before, I, I, sometimes I, I don't know what, how it comes out. I, I don't know how it comes across. The ideal church situation. <laughs> oh, no, I can't tell you that. That would be. No, I will. Uh, Years ago, I heard from the Suteras. They were the revival Canadian Revival Fellowship. They were talking about a pastor who was the happiest pastor in the world. The happiest pastor in the world. That's a wow, right? I who is this guy? Thank you very much. It was until about three seconds ago, and uh, <laughs> just kidding. And here's what, here was the context. This man knew what his gift was. It was teaching and analyzing the scripture. The saints would gather. He would unpack all his work that he did all week. Bam, 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 bam. All the saints were like, <gasps> they'd go out and do it. He'd go home, start over. Happiest man in the ministry. Here's where I'm getting at. If everyone utilizes their gifts, nobody has to die doing everything. The best scenario for you as a brother and sister is find the one gift you're really good. You know that this really works. Find a ministry slot. Do it with all your might. Say no to other things. Make it flourish. But we don't do that in churches. In fact, churches have a notorious history of burning out their people. Twelve things that you should not be. One of them you should be doing. Eight others maybe not. Am I making sense? So I'm the kind of pastor that gives you permission to say no. You also need to say yes once in a while if you, if you haven't. So find your place. Go for it, right? And speaking of that, one other last point. Sometimes those of us who like to do a lot of things, we're working outside of our gift mix or maybe we're taking too many assignments in our gift mix. You need to make room for others to pick up the slack. Let go. Yes, you do it better than every... I'm a I'm pretty good preacher here. But I like letting go and seeing my colleagues succeed behind the pulpit. I like seeing that happen. 
You should like seeing that happen in your gift area, okay? This is not the ideal model to quote, but Richard Nixon had a statement. He said, anytime I'm doing what my staff should be doing, I'm doing two things. I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting their time because both should be doing their part. And I'm doing your part. That's a mistake. I'm hurting you. That has implications for next week. Yes, Mr. Horovitz. Yes, next week. Yes, there are more than that, yes. Uh, we're not quite sure. 21 gifts, 17, 14, 19, we don't know exactly, okay? Because none of, well, the reason I'm saying that is, by the way, we ask questions here. This is a strange church, all right, and I answer them. Now what? Yes, you need to be here for the next four weeks because I'm going to be on it every week. And your, your question's answer will be, I don't know which week, so you better be here every week. Anyway, but yes, there are more than just that list, right? It, it's, it's a very, for example, here's a gift most of you don't want, celibacy. Did you know that that's a gift? See how quiet it got? <laughs> Lord, don't give me that gift. Anyway. So there, there's some secrets in the scripture we don't totally get, right? So we'll be looking at it. Right now, I just want to get the big picture. So avoid confusion. Every gift is important. So don't cheapen gifts in others or in yourself. I see too many Christians, oh, I'm not that, it doesn't matter. Oh, my, oh, my. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If I don't do my part at a critical juncture... Think of the fallout down the road. It's the small potatoes. We always look at large churches that are successful. Oh, what a fantastic show. Oh, that leader, Charles Swindoll, you know, Bill Hybels, Rick Warren, all of that. Whenever I hear that and I see they are great leaders, I, I appreciate them, I respect them, I learn from them. However, every great pastor that's on the radar on your television and all of that has a phenomenal church behind them. It's the saints that have the clear vision. We're pushing him up, making him successful because of the impact that's having. They are all good soldiers doing their job, making it work. Never forget that. And so we talk to ourselves. Well, it doesn't matter if I show up. It doesn't matter if I find a place. You're lying to yourself. You're blaspheming against the word of God. There's something he's called you to do. Stop cheapening other people's gifts. My gift is really good. I preach. I've got the important gift. I didn't even get an amen. What's the matter with you? No, all gifts have value and have a place. There is an order in the scripture in terms of priority of what gifts you need to build the body up. I'm going to mention that in just a minute. But all Roles are needed. I'm going to illustrate it later toward the end here. And I'm going to be quick here because I want us to edify one another around the table, the Lord's table today. So, there were the gifts that we looked at last week, prophecy, teaching, serving, exhorting. We separated them between talking and serving gifts, speaking and serving, and yet some of them there's an overlap. We don't really know. Mercy might be me coming and bringing a meal to you when you're suffering. Or it could be my words that come. It depends. 
So depending on our wiring and our, our personalities, our situation, our life situation, our resources, the way we're put together uh, emotionally, all those things tweak every gift that God gives. I can have the same gift that you do, but it looks different because you're you and I'm me. There's a little different nuance to it, but there's a consistency between. According to your capacity, last week... We looked at the parable of the talents, and it says that the master gave money to each one of his servants according to his ability. He said, oh, I don't want that. You know, you think you, I might have a speaking gift. I'm terrified to speak. I don't want that gift. Stop arguing. The fact is, it's according to your ability. God did not make a mistake. You're going to learn how to talk. I see sweat breaking out on people's foreheads. All right. You're going to learn how to speak in front of people. You know, it's kind of funny. We think, oh, well, that's his gift. He does that all the time. I went into um, Mr. Strait's class this week, right? I told him, I said, I am more terrified talking to you people than to a thousand adults. I mean, I spoke at the, I prayed at the Franklin Graham crusade up in Binghamton. Thousands of people. No sweat. Then I go into that class. How many t- high schoolers? Ah! You know, I'm like, what? How many? I was terrified. But I got over it. You get what I'm saying? You'll learn. You grow. Your, your gift develops, okay? So, uh, no cheapening of any gifts. Here's what the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians. That was what Mr. Horvitz was speaking about. Now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. And if there, if there were all one member, where would the body be? He says, if everybody was a mouth, where would the feet be? Where would, where would the sense of taste and touch, where would all that be if all I was was a mouth or a brain or whatever? You have to have all the parts. Every part is necessary. And now there are many members but one body commentary on this week all that we're going to do very quickly one verse seven out of our text that we stood and read a minute ago just to reiterate each one of us grace was given the word grace is charisma that's where the charismatic movement came from that word is a grace gift that's all it is a grace gift whether it's spectacular miraculous or or just, oh, just humble, not important, serving, or mercy, there is no unimportant. You got it? Have I made my point? Okay, we all have one, according to the measure of Christ's gift. What is my point with this, this uh, fill-in? No little people. That's a quote. I'm stealing the title of Dr. Francis Schaeffer's book by that name. There are no little people. If I find my purpose, I am serving the living God. That means one day I'm going to enter into heaven and hear, you did a great job with the gift that I gave you. Well done, good and faithful servant. But if I go, this doesn't matter, I'm going to suffer loss. I've been telling you that because it's the truth. I don't want you to suffer loss. I want to help you. So get your hands dirty on it, okay? Number two, verses 11 through 12. Here we go. He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, and 
I think the best in tra- in, uh, translation is pastor slash teacher, pastor hyphen teacher, for the equipping of saints, the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. That's for next week. It's Father's Day. Fathers need to lead. Leadership gifts are designed for a purpose. And that's what this is about. That particular thing is about leadership. And we'll talk about leadership next week. They, the leading gifts, which are prioritized here, are for the sake of, what does it say there? Equipping the, who are the saints? Are you sure? Okay, good. I hope you're sure. I want you all to be sure that you're one of the saints. To equip the saints to do what? Work of service to build up the body of Christ, right? American churches have created a spectator environment. The pastor is the showman. Make it happen. And we all watch. It's kind of like, you know, and if I have a good congregation, at least they do the wave, you know, and they, they're in the sand. Yay, Pastor John. Woo! Another baptism. Woo! Yeah. You go get them. That's what the gifts are for. Let's go to the last point. Mature, strong, unified growth. Speaking the truth in love. Let's go to the last verse, if I could. Speaking the truth in love. This is the result of leadership leading the church well. That we will grow to maturity where we speak the truth in love. We have a lot of work to do on that one. We are to grow up in all aspects into him. Who's him? Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual. Which parts? Each individual. You're leaving, but you're not off the hook. Each individual part. Are you with me? Each individual part doing its work causes what? Growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. By the way, love is the duct tape. Putting your higher needs above my own, self-sacrifice for the sake of your good, that's what Jesus did for us, that's what agape love is, rather than having to have it my way, I'm willing for you to have it your way if it's for the good of the body. Well, I don't prefer it that way. Tough. This binds us together. Not literally duct tape. Which is running around on me here. The love of Christ. Building the body up because we're all using our gifts in the love of God, in the control of the spirit. Fit and joined together. Each adds its own part. And it builds the body. Let me show you. I wanted to just end with this because we're going to give time for our gathering around the table. Bobby Clinton, I quoted last week in his book, Spiritual Gifts, one of the best on the subject. High high look. We'll look at it again next week. Spiritual gift is this, a unique capacity given by the Spirit, given to each believer for service in connection with the church, whether it's the now church or the church to be, to cause the church to progress quantitatively, qualitatively, and organically. What does that mean? What's qual- Give me an example of quantitative growth. Huh? Yeah, people get born again. 
New baptisms are usually a reflection of somebody coming to faith. That's normal. That's healthy, quantitative growth. What's qualitative? Disciple-making. People start obeying what Jesus says. Go make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And organically means, as a church grows, it needs its structures to grow along with it, so ministry is not hindered, it's helped. And we're trying to make some progress here, getting leaders back in place, formulating a church council, all of that. We want to make it work for the glory of God, okay? Every one of us have an opportunity to contribute to it. Let me just read something here. You bring glory to God by learning to love other people in God's family. This is part of that purpose-driven description. You bring glory to God by serving others. The only way to serve God whom you can't see is by serving others who you can see. That's why God has given you certain talents. Serving in your niche, your niche, however you pronounce it. The way you're wired is not an accident. God didn't give you your abilities for selfish purposes. They were given to benefit other people just as others were given abilities for your benefit. And I can testify, I've been on the receiving end of so many blessings from gifted people who have spoken life to me or shared with me when I was desperate or whatever it happened to be, and you will as well. The Bible says God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well. This is his take on the verse we read. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And God will be given glory. That means you get well done, good and faithful servant. I have a great illustration, but I'm going to shut up. I'll use it another time. Okay? Can we pray together? And we're going to gather around the table. By the way, Grace Illustrated, right here at this table. Grace Illustrated. We have no right to be gathered to speak and interact with a holy God except for what Jesus did on our behalf. And then on top of that, he's given us gifts. And while we're here together worshiping in a minute, we're going to open the floor. I know that our sister who's just gotten back from around the world has a verse she wants to read. And others speak life to one another. We're able to build up the body by our speaking life to each other. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gathering of your people. Thank you, God, for not leaving us in the dark, but giving us a clear word of prophecy. And as uh, our, our new elder Steve comes and guides us through our time of communion, Lord, let us rejoice in what you've done for us. Let us worship you from the heart. Let us edify one another because of the gifts that you've given us. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody's on. Not wired. No, I'm, I'm good this way. So as we um, gather together and continue to worship, and this is a continuation of worship, it's not separate, um, I'd like to invite those who are serving to come up. We may be a couple of short. We may need some fill-ins. I guess we're good. 
And as we prepare our hearts, just to reiterate, uh, we started last month with a new way of serving. You will be either served from the rear or from the, the front of the room. You will take the bread, uh, eat it at your leisure after you pray or prepare yourself, and the wine we will, or the juice we will all take together at the end. And as we prepare ourselves for communion, I always like to say a little prayer that, Lord, don't ever let me take this for granted. Don't ever let this become a meaningless ritual that we do month after month. But it is a ritual, and Christ said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It was intended for us to do this over and over and over again until he comes again and we celebrate it with him that, that last time. But it's something that we have to, there's meaning to. It's remembrance of him. When we think of what we call the Last Supper, Christ was the only one that knew the outcome of that evening. The disciples got there together for a celebration. It was a celebration of Passover, a celebration of salvation, salvation for the Israelites through the shedding of blood. What Christ did was he didn't change it, but in our technological age today, <clears throat> excuse me, he updated it. He took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it, all of you, and eat it. What he was saying was, salvation is now not just for Israelites. Salvation is for all. For anyone who accepts, the salvation is open to you. Later, he took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. He wasn't changing it. He was saying, there's still salvation available to all. But now it comes through me. So isn't this a celebration for all of us? So we're gathering here to celebrate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for providing this remembrance, something that we can share together and be reminded of the great salvation that's available to us through your Son. There's a solemnness and a sadness, Lord, because a death, a horrible death had to be paid. But there's a sweetness to it because it means salvation for us. It means eternity with you. And for that, we are so grateful. We don't deserve to be here, Lord, but your grace and your mercy allows us to come together now to accept this and to know that we are now part of your kingdom. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
do it again just once more. Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. For not just one of us, Lord, but for each one of us. We thank you that you left behind your spirit. We worship you now, Lord, in spirit and in truth, as you require. And we thank you. In Jesus' name again, amen. And a new ritual the pastor started, and we continue it on, is to say, to the king and to the kingdom, there is a king. To the king and to the kingdom, there is a king. Let's close in prayer. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. We do have a roving mic, so this is a time to share. Uh, I know at least one person wants to, and hopefully some others. Hi, I'm just going to read Psalm 34, um, 8 through 10. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, all you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord would lack no good thing. And then I was also reading in Romans 11, it talks about grace and how it's also referred to as like undeserved kindness. And so when we refuse to taste of the Lord's kindness and of his grace, then we're refusing to see his goodness. Um, So I don't know, just live in grace and receive what the Lord has given to you. Yeah, but thank you. Um, regretfully, right after the service, I have to leave to catch a flight to uh, take care of a minor emergency for work. But I did want to take a moment just to kind of thank everybody. And hopefully I can do getting too emotional. Um, y'all have left the 99 for us. As a family, we appreciate that. That goes for the church and for the school as well. And uh, we just, or my family are better for the 15 months we spent as part of Harmony Baptist Church and for the five years that Eric spent at the school. And on that note, please remember, everybody has a crash pad at the beach in Carolina. You all know where to find us. We're not changing our numbers. Thank you. We have, a pretty, we have a pretty amazing God. Um, and this Pray for One that we've been doing at the church, we've been, I've been kind of really thinking about who that's going to be. And it, it, it has to mean something. It has to be something really cool. This week I'm at work, and I'm talking to my lieutenant, and we're sitting down, and we're talking about singing and all the stuff that I do, and he was asking why and all that kind of stuff. And then I explained everything about, you know, uh, what God has been doing in my wife and I's life through being able to go out and play and, and do all the stuff we do. And he says, I don't know how you do it. He goes, uh, but he goes, I really wish I had your faith. Talk about opening doors. He really said, I wish I, I had your faith. So it was like instantaneous. It was like God said, this is the guy to pray for one. So it was like really cool how God does that. And if you're really looking for it, he'll, he'll show you who that person is that you need to be praying for. So.
Hello, hello. I have a quick praise. Um, I have a seven-year-old daughter who everybody knows is collecting cans for the food pantry. Um, she told me how it's pretty cool that she gets to give food to people that can't um, can't necessarily afford it. So, quick plug: if you have any cans laying around your house, she'd love to come and pick them up. Just give us a call. Um, but the thing that uh, struck me is this morning I got to go out. Um, I woke up at six o'clock after getting home at two o'clock to a seven-year-old standing by my bed saying, I'm all ready, Daddy. Look, I brushed my teeth. I got my dress on. I picked it out on Monday. I said, oh. I said, would you like to go for breakfast with Daddy and, and just me and you? She goes, yeah, that would be fun. I said, okay. So we're driving down 211 to go to Perkins. First of all, everybody, Perkins is closed. I didn't know that. <laughs> said, how about Denny's? So we'll go to Denny's. So on the way down, my seven-year-old turns to me and says, Daddy, she goes, I think I know what I want to do. I said, we're doing. I said, we're, we're giving to the food pantry. She goes, nope. She goes, I'm okay with people knowing that there's sin in the world. She goes, but there's too many people that don't know Jesus. I said, what? I said, so what do you mean? She goes, well, I think I want to do what Connor did. I said, Connor? I said, Vesethan or Vesethan? She goes, yeah. I said, you want to go on a missions trip? She goes, no, I want to be one of those people that show people Jesus. Whoa. I said, wow. I, my wife doesn't even know this. So. Um, so I want to thank my church family because in my world, I truly believe that it takes a village. And for my daughter to see everything that everybody else is doing and want to do that, I thank you for that. After that, one last one. I want to ask um, after Mrs. Ogden, um, Alyssa, if you would, uh, would you stand and answer a question for me in a minute? Okay. I just want to, I said, no, I said this in Sunday school today, but um, this lady Sunday school class has been such a blessing, so I want to thank the deacons and then the church for picking this crazy love um, Sunday school class. Um, it's helped me to think, and I'm not saying I don't think, but it's pushed me to think more. Um, but the biggest blessing I would get was coming up here after the topic we discussed, and then the praise team sang songs that were on the same topic we had that morning. And then it didn't matter who the pastor was. A pastor would come up there and speak on the same thing. No, I mean, you were gone, and then Tim continued to speak. I mean, it was just, I kind of thought in the beginning, oh, yeah, pastor knows what the topic is because his wife's going to the, to the class. But then when he wasn't here, Tim's wife isn't going to the class. It was just, it was amazing. And I get so excited that the Holy Spirit is working and, and putting all these connections together, and that makes, I mean, I'm in awe. But thank you. Amen. Amen. So, Alyssa, if I say this, something will immediately come to mind. So would you tell us what was one of the most clear God sightings you had on that long trip you were on? I know there's 20. What comes immediately to mind, the big one? Was God involved at all? Yeah, yeah. Think of what was the coolest story you have.
I don't know. The first one that comes to my mind is just in me personally. I did go out during ministry and hear all these cool stories about these people's lives, but like I went on the world race because the Lord saw where I was and saw how dead I was in my sin and how dead I was in like American Christianity. And He said, "I want you to be free from that. Like I want to free you from all these chains that you are bound to." So I think that was probably. I don't know, that was just the first one that came to my mind. So. All right, we're out of time, I was told. So if, if you can stand, we'd like to close in prayer, if you're available. Father, we do thank you for this time of worship, for meeting with us. But we know that we don't go out of here alone, that you go with us. So guide us and protect us, Lord, as we go out into the world. May we be lights to those people out there, as we've seen from some of the examples of the young people in this church today. Help us, Lord, to be your light in the world, to spread your gospel, to bring others into the fold who are just wandering around in darkness. You've given us a tremendous gift, and it's available to everyone else. Help us to show them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone's dismissed.